Our Old Testament text is just one verse, so just a quick context. Nehemiah chapter 8 is when the nation of Israel has returned from captivity. Actually, a miracle to come back from captivity, reform as a nation. And their spiritual leader, Ezra, the priest, and Nehemiah, their uh, political leader, if you will, both called the people together for an assembly because the people had requested that they come together to hear the word of God that was given to Moses. The law was very spotty during their time in Babylon and Persia. And so listen to these words from that context as Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And from the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, a very familiar passage, the Magnificat or Mary's song. The mother of our Lord said, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble heart of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. <clears throat> for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to this Gaudete Sunday. All of you know what that is? The service of joy, I learned. If you're like me, you may be wondering, why is the candle this week pink? And the reason for that is, according to liturgical church tradition, the color of joy is rose. So, And it also is a marker that we are over halfway through our Advent journey to the birth of Jesus. Joy is the virtue of Advent that I was the least familiar with. I have done a fairly deep dive into peace, hope, and love throughout my time, but never much on joy until this sermon. It was illuminating to me and also convicting, as sermon prep tends to be. And I found it sort of ironic that I was the one chosen to speak on joy. You see, I typically am a pretty joyful person, but as of late, I have found myself to be rather a curmudgeon. I do realize we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and life is a bit topsy-turvy these days. I can easily excuse away my negative attitude. But a quote I heard many years ago always returns to me. It's my favorite quote. It's from Martin Luther, from one of his mentors, said to him, Martin, I have lived in a world 
that has hated evil more than it has loved good. These days I have focused my attention on the evil, and I have ignored the good, and it has robbed my joy. This week, Pastor Paul and Pastor Julie introduced me to the wonders of the theologian Marva Dawn. In my brief research about her life, I found her quoted saying, if believers worship with gladness and passion, anyone not yet a part of that community certainly will be attracted to the one who is the object of their worship. To me, this is the highest goal of our joy, that it would be infectious in a way that others would want to know who the source of that joy is. Today, I want to explore with you our joy as humans and God's joy towards us as God's children. Our scripture passage comes from both the Old and the New Testament and illustrate for us those two joys, our joy and God's joy. Let's first look at Mary's song found in the Gospel of Luke. It comes to us shortly after Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel, and the angel angel told her she would conceive and give birth to the Most High. Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the passage tells us that Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea to be with her cousin Elizabeth. Mary received this word from God that she would be carrying the Messiah, and she accepts it. But then she gets out of town as fast as she can. I'd imagine there's some dread that overcomes her. She faces the potential of being stoned to death for being pregnant outside of marriage, or at the very least, having her fiancé Joseph divorce her. This message from the angel doesn't immediately cause her to erupt in her song of praise. It isn't until she enters her cousin Elizabeth's home that the child John the Baptist within Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy at Mary's entry. The gospel tells us that Elizabeth is then filled with the Holy Spirit and says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It is after this greeting from her cousin, this confirmation, that Mary is truly carrying the Lord within her womb, that Mary sings this song of praise to God for this precious gift. This illustrates to us the reason why Jesus called us together as the church, called us to be a body doing life together. We need each other. We need each other to speak God's truth over us, to affirm what the Lord may have already spoken to us. And in Mary's song, she sings it before she knows how it all will unfold. 
Mary says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The worry and doubt of what was to come are the farthest things from her mind. She doesn't even mention her own life hangs in the balance, that she potentially will lose everything with this pregnancy. It is her steadfast trust in God's goodness that makes her joy complete. She proclaims, His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. An academic article I read this week that made a case for joy as a virtue stated, to grasp human flourishing and thriving, we must understand joy. Joy is often mistaken as happiness, but it is bigger than that. It is present in the good and the bad. It carries us through our suffering and is amplified in our mountaintop experiences. This article stated, joy experienced in this present life is a foretaste of what is to come. Mary's joy over this unborn Jesus was only a glimpse of the goodness that this child would do for the world. And yet it was her joy that enabled her to carry that child, not with dread or fear, but with hopeful expectation of what was to come. It was only possible because of Mary's deep connection with God. She can easily recall all the good that God had done for the people, bearing witness to her close relationship with her creator. The thing about joy I discovered in my research is it's not found, but it is formed. A person cultivates joy in their life through habits. If one would want to be courageous, they don't just wake up one morning and say, I am now a person of courage. But they do something each day to build on that courage, to face fears and overcome them. It takes time. The same is true for joy. One, call, one scholar said, virtue requires a vision of what is possible, replete with a deep understanding of our purpose for living, and then movement towards that. What does it look like to grow more in joy within our lives? It was easiest for me to think about what robs us of our joy. Suffering is a big one. Uncertainty and doubt. I lack joy when I am overwhelmed and dissatisfied with how my life is going. I spent Friday knee-deep in pages and pages of research about joy. I was filled to the brim of the goodness of joy. And then I went home. 
to my messy house and my loud children and my husband who was equally unimpressed with the state of our living situation. The children rejected the meal we had made for them. We were behind in our goal of when we'd leave to be out the door to the gym and we were all bickering with each other. It was as I was raising my voice to Mary for the 10th time to put her shoes on that I thought, where is my joy? How is it that we live like this more often than not? And the irony is it wasn't that long ago that I was a single person without children in a very nice, tidy apartment (laughs) where I could do whatever I wanted with my time. And I still found myself discontent and lacking joy. I just imagine God looking at me and thinking, listen, girl, I give you what you tell me you want and you're dissatisfied. I don't give you what you tell me you want and you're dissatisfied. You don't know what you want. (laughs) But joy is being content no matter the circumstance. It is not worrying about tomorrow, but fully trusting that God has tomorrow. It is believing in the promises that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It all comes down to trust. I listened to a sermon this week by Francis Chan on joy. And though, although I don't agree on all of his theology, I deeply appreciate his love for God and his desire to follow him. He talked about the command for us to, we called that we're called to rejoice always. And he joked that there are some commands we all agree are plausible, like the command to not murder. We all think, okay, yeah, I think I could do that one. But then this call to rejoice always, to be joyful in all circumstances, we take that one as a mere suggestion. Francis challenged his listeners, imagine if you went from this day out into the world and you never worried again. What kind of person would you be? How would it be for people to interact with you? Sometimes we pray to God about our worries, but then we just continue to worry about them. We lack the trust that God is taking care of it. However, we have this teenage girl, Mary, who models it for us. She believes that God is going to work it out for her good. We do not see her struck with worry, but overcome with peace. This is where our passage in Nehemiah comes into play. This is the remnant community of the Israelites, as Pastor Paul talks about. This small pocket of Jews who have been banding together as followers of God. They have called upon Ezra and Nehemiah to bring out the law and read it to them. There is so much to say about this passage, but we will hone in on the joy. At a time when the people of God had fallen away, 
They returned to God with sincere and repentant hearts. Nehemiah is reading the law to the people. This is one of those things that I, I want to see like a real love when I die. Just God, show me this, this moment in history. Because here Nehemiah is reading the law to the people and they are overcome with grief. It's a scene, right? They're weeping. They are weeping because they have been so disobedient to God. And here's the beautiful part. Nehemiah tells them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Another way to think about this is the joy that God has for his people in this moment. Seeing the purity of their hearts, their desire to follow him, the conviction of their wrongdoing, this joy that God's children are returning and seeking God to know the way to a life that will flourish. This is God's joy. And because of it, God is going to take care of these people. God knows they messed up. But God is delighted that they are returning. This is the prodigal son. This is the God that we serve. If our heart is to be in the will of God, even though we will mess up and be disobedient, God's joy, God's delight is that we are his children and that joy is going to protect us. It is our strength in our weakness. It is the person of Jesus Christ. These aspects of the Christian life, to live without worry, to fully rely on God, to be joyful no matter the circumstance, we are never going to do it perfectly in this life. But as one scholar said, although we do not reach this telos, this side of eternity, thriving is the process through which we change, grow, and mature through the ups and downs of this life towards that telos, that process in which we experience and cultivate joy. Let us rid ourselves of the excuses of why we cannot be joyful. Let us embrace, as Mary and Nehemiah did, the truth of our God. He seeks us not for perfection, but for relationship. Jesus wants to enter into our lives no matter how messy they are and lead us to life and life in the full. This is a life freed of worry, full of reliance on God's promises and allowing us to work hand in hand with our God for God's will in this world. It seeks God's kingdom not for our own selfish gain, but for the good of the world around us. Let us thrive together to change, grow, and mature through the ups and downs of this life that we cultivate a joy that anyone not yet a part of this community would be attracted to the one in whom we worship. In our season of waiting and anticipating the second coming of Jesus, may our hearts be bursting with joy and gratitude that Jesus has come and given us all that we could ask or imagine. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Be the one who loves good more than you hate evil. And may the peace of Christ rule your hearts and minds. May you go from this day rejoicing in all the good the Lord has done and continues to do. Let us pray. Almighty and powerful God, we have seen through the testimony of the pages of the Bible how your promises have been fulfilled time and time again. You are a faithful God, ever patient and loving, walking beside us and filling our lives with joy. Although we don't know where the road leads, we know the one who journeys with us, and we are grateful, God, for Emmanuel, God with us. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would fill us with that truth this day, that our hearts and minds would meditate on your deep love for us and your saving grace. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. gathered today as the people of God. Receive now this benediction. May the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the world rule your hearts and minds this week. May you know that the Prince of Peace has come and is here to take your life and give you life and life in the full. Go now with joy and peace. Amen.